Speaking podcast. This is your host, Chris Shelton. Welcome to the show. Uh, this podcast is brought to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, lots and lots of places where good podcasts are sold, as well as with video here on YouTube. Hey, everybody. This week, uh, we are, uh, I, well, as you can see, I am welcoming a guest. This is Anna Dow. Hey, Anna, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Glad to have you here. Uh, glad to talk to you today. Um, Anna is a woman who grew up in an evangelical household under rather strict rules and guidelines, and especially in regards to courting, dating, love, matrimony, sex, and all those other sordid, salacious affairs. So I thought we should do an interview about this, not because evangelicism is a destructive cult or religious beliefs are bad or it's wrong to think that, you know, you want to protect your kids or any of these other sort of ideas that can be used as sort of straw men arguments to push back on this. What we're really, what we want to talk about here this week and what I wanted to focus on is the fact that the, that any belief set, any ideas, any groups of rules and strictures, and especially when people get together around organized religion, we can see some rather extreme behavior result from these beliefs. And this can be individuals who just kind of go off and think that the Bible says this, or their, their minister said this, or their preacher said that, and therefore dot, dot, dot. And that dot, dot, dot represents a great deal of physical and psychological abuse. And, and by abuse, we mean harm. We mean, you know, long-lasting trauma and effects on people's lives that are not pleasant and not good. They're negative. And we, you know, if we can prevent that sort of thing, if we can talk about that sort of thing, how it happens, why it happens, how it's often out of the very best of intentions, and yet it is still harm. And how does that work, right? How does it work that you want to raise a kid and you want to raise a family and you want them to be holy and good and honest and true and all of that according to how you understand the, the world and yet you end up committing abuse? How does that How does that work? Well, Anna and I are going to talk about that this week. So uh, Anna, again, welcome to the show and, and thank you for, you reached out to me because you had a story to tell. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so why, why don't you go ahead now that I've kind of put that mm -hmm. intro there? What is your response here, and and where where are you coming from? What's your what's your basic background here? Uh, my basic background would so I was uh, I and my three siblings were all raised in a homeschool environment. So my mom was the teacher. My dad, we always joke, was our principal. So we would walk down the hallway to dad if we were in trouble. So that was kind of the family structure is we were raised in like homeschooling. And I know that's kind of a broad term right now because there's different curriculums. There's different ways of homeschooling. But that was kind of how my parents chose to raise me and my siblings. All right. <laughs> and how many siblings are we talking about? We are talking about four siblings. So it would be one older sister, 
then me, and then three younger brothers. Okay. All right. So family of seven. Yes. Okay. And um, is this a Midwest upbringing? Do you mind sharing where you... Oh, no, I don't mind at all. So we actually, I was born in Minnesota. And then when I was about 15 or 14, then we moved to Iowa. All right. Okay. Tracking on that. And what branch of religion or evangelicism were you guys involved in or were you part of growing up? What was the church and, and what, were, um, what were the ideas growing up with that? I would say mostly Baptist. It's kind of hard to know because it was kind of a mix of Baptist beliefs and then a little bit of other things, but I'm not sure really fully what it was. We didn't really have a name for it, but it was mostly Baptist. Now, that is interesting to me right off, that you didn't have a name for it. That's that's fascinating. Because yeah. yeah. um, this, this was not a casual, as I understand it from how you described it to me, it wasn't that you had a casual relationship with religion growing up. I would say so. Yeah, it was very... Well, and then what was also weird was we didn't really ever stick with one church growing up. So, like, when we were in Minnesota, we kind of church hopped all over the place so there wasn't just one church we kind of put down our roots and stayed we kind of liked one church and then my parents would disagree with how the pastor would present the bible and then we'd go to another church and then stay for a little bit and then uproot and then go to a different church right okay. so it wasn't a solid just one church home family kind of thing it was just kind of all over the place See, now that's fascinating to me. And the reason why is because you are not the first person I've interviewed who came from an abusive religious upbringing who had a family that did that, that mm -hmm. did church hopping. And it's interesting to me because we often look at or talk about the stereotypical view of this, which is that you have this nice loving family and there's somehow the father or mother or, or the whole thing is somehow corrupted by you know, this narcissist or predator or horrible person who in the guise of a you know, evangelical, hardcore, bloodthirsty, you know, fire and stone kind of uh, you know, church environment is radicalized, right? The whole family gets, goes nuts and goes down the path. But that's not this. This is actually a little different because here we have, I, I'm going to assume, and you can tell me uh, if I'm, my assumption's right here, that it was your father leading the charge on that? Um, It was mostly my dad, I would say so, yeah. Okay. And do you know how he was raised? Um, I know here, like, it's kind of like puzzle pieces in a way. I like to think of it that way, that, like, I kind of had bits and pieces of my dad's kind of history with God and kind of his family and kind of how he was raised, which is weird because it was nothing how we were raised and how we were kind of brought up in the church, if that makes any sense. Um, my dad, it was more, he kind of met God later in his life, like in his early twenties is when he met God and kind of formed his own theology and all of that later in life versus my mom, I would say. Okay, fair enough. And so here we have a situation where he kind of formulates his own ideas based on his experiences with different <laughs> faiths and tenets and beliefs. And yeah. then 
proceeds to spend the rest of his life looking for or finding, okay, what group is going to match this? Is match going to mm-hmm. match my idea of how things should be? Yeah. And how say. I should bring my family up. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of people out there who, of course, like to blame religion. And, and I'm not. <laughs> Not not one of those. I mean, I'm I'm down, right? I'll I'll definitely target organized religion and the problems with it. But at the same time, this is one of those what I what I think of as model busters or or like you know uh, stereotype busters. Like yeah. like yeah, this isn't quite the picture you think it is. It's actually a little bit different because mm-hmm. here you can have a person who I, I I don't know from how you described it, and we'll go into the details on this. But he sounded like a fairly certain and very deterministic, very, this is how it's going to be, and this is how the world is, and um, it's my way or the highway kind of approach to to religion and to your upbringing. Is that would, that, would that be accurate? I would say that would be accurate, yes. All right, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get into some of those details then, because it's, I'm just, I'm fascinated by that. And like I said, you're not the first person I've interviewed who, who had a very overbearing father who who kind of was just kind of, you know, of a certain mold and mm-hmm. then finds everything else that he can of that mold and forces everything to fit it, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so if that's the basic sort of situation mm-hmm. here, let's go into the details. Where, where did, uh, how, how did you, how did all of this, what kind of rules were you growing up with? What was, what was the household? What was the structure? Um, so my dad kind of was the head of the household. He was, you would go to dad if you wanted something in the way of like, his decision was the really only decision. Like you asked, and if you said no, then you shouldn't keep asking. (laughs) Right, right. So, So like more like he, and he was very big on the spiritual leadership thing of like, you do not question my authority on that. It's this, and there's nothing that you can do or say that will change my mind on it. (laughs) There we go. And did he ever discuss, well, he must have. I mean, what what was, you know, this being his mold of things, Hmm. what was his mold? How did he see his relationship with God and then how did that flow through him to the family? Was it, you know, it, for example, I have interviewed a woman, uh, a couple of people actually, who grew up homeschooled under the Gothard system, right? The ATI, uh, mm-hmm. IBL, Institute of Basic Life Principles, right? IBLP system. And there's, and that's an extensive homeschooling system. I mean, tons of books and, 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 and stuff all around Bill Gothard's version of Christianity, which is argumentatively very abusive. But that's a dogmatic structural thing that, that people get into. And, and it's sort of a roll your own cult kind of thing. In this case with your father, he had his set beliefs. He wasn't getting it like any one person was giving it to him. What, what was, what, so, but, so, um, so the reason I bring up the ATI thing is because there's this concept of, of the father as like an umbrella figure who's protecting the family from the, the darts of Satan, right? That are, that are coming down on the family. Did he envision himself in a similar role where he was sort of the protector and therefore 
overseer and and determiner of the family or was it a different take i think it kind of took some inspiration from that um so actually my dad we actually when we were in minnesota we did go to a legalistic church who did promote a lot of bill gothard stuff so like we did hear a lot about kind of bill gothard when we were in minnesota but once we moved to iowa he was more into the pearls actually michael and debbie pearl there they my parents were very much got into more of that side of things got um, it. which it is like i i don't even understand their thinking really anymore but i'm like so we would like listen to their audiobooks their a lot of their um those mail carrier like when they would write it like people would write into the pearls like with a parenting problem like we had a lot of those audiobooks we had a lot of their books in our our house as well okay so okay. it was kind of that shift away but also it was its own kind of like bill gothard but like in a different way but also it's just still very problematic right? <laughs> yes you could say that now now i've actually shown in my in the in one of my videos on the ati with uh, the i think the um uh, the video i did with christiana we showed a clip of of michael pearl talking about mm -hmm. parenting but i'm curious i i could talk about that but why don't you mm -hmm. describe how did that manifest in your house what were pearl's teachings as you guys understood them um, so my parents, excuse me, my parents use a lot of the pearls is um, discipline methods in the way of um, they didn't use like they have it's called blanket training with the pearls. So like um, putting a baby on a blanket and then kind of try to tempt them to get off the blanket and then they would smack their little hand so that they learn to sit still. Now that part of the pearls we didn't ever use at all but like it was still in their books it was still there we just didn't use that part of it now um my parents use more the first time obedience thing which is if mom or dad told us to do something we were supposed to do it right away no questions you just did it you said yes mom or yes dad and then you did it right away like there was no room for questioning whether you wanted to do it or not you just had to do it Okay. Okay. So it was a sort of instant compliance mm -hmm. the expectation. The yeah. philosophy behind Michael Pearl's parenting, Michael and Debbie Pearl's parenting, is that children are basically animals to be broken. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't say that lightly. That's directly out of Michael Pearl's book. I mean, he talks about breaking to raise up a child, I think is what it's called. And it's... Mm -hmm. And he talks about how you have to break a child the exact same way you break a, a horse or a dog or, you know, you, you, you get them into a compliant state of mind. And that's, that is obviously nuts uh, to, to think that you can treat a human being who is infinitely more complicated, you know, upstairs than a dog. Mm -hmm. um, and to, to consider you can treat them the same is is horribly, horribly wrong yeah. um, for a number of reasons. And yet this has been old school, traditional thinking in child rearing for centuries. I mean, yeah. right, the, the, if there's a tradition, it's that. And we're trying mm -hmm. to 
break that tradition <laughs> uh, with more modern thinking, you know. So how how would this manifest with a with a five children? Um, how how did they go about doing this with you guys? Um, it was mostly like their preferred method of discipline would be spanking. So like that was their biggest tool in their like toolbox, I would say, would be the spanking would be the most one that they would use the most. Okay. Now, uh, in terms of spanking, Pearl talks about and actually demonstrates on a doll the concept of not sparing the rod, otherwise you'll spoil the child sort of thing. Was that how you were raised or was it, um, was it, were implements used or was it just with the hands? So it was actually used, so my parents used paint sticks. So like if you've ever been at a Menards, like they have those paint sticks near the paint and yep. they would actually which is crazy to me now, but like they would like buy those for discipline actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why like that, that. And then also I think my mom used like a wooden spoon once, but it was usually the paint sticks. Got it. Okay. Were they having to keep buying them because they broke? They did because they were not meant for children. So they, I don't remember experiencing it breaking on me, but I do remember like they had to keep buying them whenever we would go into town. Like they would, because near like my parents' bedroom door, like there would be a nail and then there would be like three paint sticks right next to their door. <laughs> oh, wow. Right up on the door. Mm-hmm. My and goodness. Anyone visited, they could see it. It was like right there. Wow. Were your were friends of the family intimately involved in this belief set too, or or was it? Did your father and mother have friends who had nothing to do with any of this? So that's what's funny is that actually, so when we were in Minnesota, my parents were very much more involved in having a community of my dad's side of the family and my mom's side of the family were very much nearby so we could see them a lot so my parents kind of dumbed it down in the way of like their discipline because both sets of family was nearby so they didn't really want to show that side of their parenting to that side of the family um but when we moved to Iowa we lost that support system and so then things started happening more in Iowa because we didn't have our two sets of um, cousins and everything nearby. So then more things could have happened more in Iowa than in Minnesota because they were now in Iowa where there was more people who thought very similarly to what they believe with their parenting. So then they were more exposed to more of the Goth and more of the Pearls in Iowa versus Minnesota. Okay, got it on that. How old were you when your family moved to Iowa? I was around either 14 or 15 when we moved to Iowa. Okay, all right, so fairly fairly far along. Um, and how did you take to, well, actually, back up a second, earlier on, I mean, five kids, did everybody 
fall in line to this system or were you or one of your siblings or any of them resistive the entire time refused to be broken um that work so well when we were in minnesota my sister kind of was able to stand up a little bit to my parents in a little bit way like small ways um she couldn't feel like she could fully stand up because when you're young you're like you don't really think this is wrong until you've been exposed to something different. And at that time we were exposed to some things that were different, but most of the time I was like, this is normal as weird as that is. It's like a little bit normal, but we didn't really question it because it was like, it's your parents. You're not supposed to question your parents. You're not supposed to question the authority they have over you. Um, And so then when we moved to Iowa, my sister started standing up more for me and my my brothers and like kind of like no this isn't right um a little bit more because she felt braver and i'm not sure fully why she felt a little bit braver but she felt a little bit braver to kind of stand up when they did something that she felt was wrong okay and this was your older sister yes my oldest sister yes right how much older than you is she uh, I would say either two or three years older than I am. So like we're pretty close in age. Right. So when you moved to Iowa, then she was also hitting that whole resistive teen <laughs> time to break away, yeah. becoming an adult sort yeah. of viewpoint too. And yet, and yet she seemed to fall in line with what your father wanted as far as her marriage courtship situation went can you describe what that was all about so um like one of the homeschool groups we got um in contact with they go to west west virginia where williamsburg and stuff is so then there's like a different kinds of homeschooling group like families in that group so then that was really the first time we were exposed to larger families of homeschoolers. Um, and that's how my sister actually met her husband was through that group. Um, and he actually has 10 people in his family. So it's like considerably larger than our small, like small, I guess, small group in our family. Well, seven's not a small family. I know. It feels and, small. And, and really, three more is 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 bigger, but you know, yeah. not 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 significantly larger. I don't think. But yeah, that's that's those are big families, mm-hmm. especially by modern standards. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, consider considering. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So so uh, so she kind of got to connect with more people that she could actually kind of sort of relate to. Yeah. Even though she was at the same time, when you move to Iowa, things get a little stricter. And, mm-hmm. and things are getting even harder core, uh, but, um, but she's, she kind of thrived through that in a way, mm-hmm. which is yeah. good. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's, again, there's a lot of stereotypes being sort of busted up with this story, which I kind mm-hmm. of, which is why I wanted to talk to you because mm-hmm. it's sort of like, you think this is going to happen. Oh no, this happens. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. So, okay, so so let's, but but again, I would like to get more details from you on um, on this whole courtship thing, because your father had extremely explicit ideas 
about how this was supposed to go. And I am, I am more than a little curious about that and also how his beliefs informed your day-to-day, if they did. I mean, were there, were there, was, did you have to go to, to church on a more regular basis or was there more scriptural, uh, you know, was, did you have to memorize scripture? How, how much of part of your life, maybe, maybe let's, go, let's go back a little bit and go on that. How much of, how much of your day-to-day life revolved around your father's concepts of God and religion? Um, I would say it was pretty much like it permeated everywhere. Like it was pretty much for a long time. It was everywhere. Like it was he, how he thought and how he perceived God was very much filtered through everything for a while. Um, so like he had like different theology books in his room, like Charles, Finney, that kind of thing. And so then for a while, it kind of like family life filtered through that for a while. And then it would be something else. And then it would just kind of filter through constantly. Um, so he was, then, does that mean he was changing his ideas? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and in what way? Like how did, how, what, what kind of ideas are we talking about? And how did this manifest to, to you growing up? So he he was very much strong on we have a sin nature we are born sinners when you're a baby you were like that is when you get sin nature and you sin as a baby was one of the earliest interpretations of like that kind of stuck with him through all all that changes like that was his ground thing of like you're doing this because of your sin nature it's not like you you can't help but do it but also you have a little bit of choice in it so it was a little confusing on that part um it kind of really depended on the day he just kind of had a grand epiphany about one thing and then it would be dropped and then it would be another one so it would be kind of it was really confusing <laughs> it sounds like it it sounds like it and that itself must have been a bit difficult mm-hmm uh, to have these, you know, major epiphanies. Okay, this is how we're going to move forward. And then, what, a month later, two, a year later, <laughs> it's a whole different thing. How, how does like, that work out? I would say like more of a month later rather than a year later. A month was, later. Wow. Okay. It, it was kind of confusing. All the <laughs> time. What, when you mention babies and, and their sinful nature, are we talking about babies crying or asking for attention or love? Or what, what sort of things are manifestations of, of sin? All of all of it. Actually, it's all of it. Um, because with the pearls, like they kind of make it sound like anytime a kid wants, really wants attention from a parent, like it's kind of that thing of they're doing it on purpose to control you kind of thing, which I don't fully can wrap my head around it on that. So, um, and then he just kept listening and reading about different people's theology so it was kind of it just depended on who he thought was not the coolest but i guess the like ooh, i really like this theology so it kind of it just it was really confusing i guess is the easiest word for it huh interesting well what parts then stayed the same or stayed consistent how did how did this roll out um the most consistent thing was it was always dad was in charge. Dad was always the authority. Like, and I feel like God wasn't even in the picture of like the authority. Like, so with the umbrella, like God was cut out of it, but also he was in it somehow. Huh. So 
it was just kind of like this is dad's thinking plus god if that makes any sense um so that was kind of how he would filter how he would make different parenting decisions was through himself with the squeaking of god in there somehow okay okay well that sort of fits along the lines of of what i kind of am thinking is going on here um fascinating though so so religion was just sort of like like i'm getting the idea that all these different religious leaders and different you know points or of different texts he's pulling in or or taking on is is part of his quest of looking for justification or rationalization for how he thinks mm-hmm. things should be yeah. and this is how it's supposed to be and so god or faith can be a tool to implement that but at the end of the day if the tool doesn't fit well damn it this is how it's supposed to be and and I'm going to keep looking until I find something that says this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was it kind of like that? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. So um so what were his ideas of how things should be? What how how did this work how did this look for you growing up? It was confusing. I guess the the biggest word on that is just confusing because so like on um, my mom's side of things with um how she was raised she was raised in a baptist pastor's family situation so like she went to church regularly versus my dad who he really didn't know god until he in his 20s so then my dad's bringing his ideas of god into it and then my mom's side of things and it like kind of just fit together ish um and so with dad it was just kind of it was mostly like, you don't question my authority on this. Like, I know best on this. You're a little kid or you're, you're a teenager. You don't understand. And I'm not going to really help you understand, but you're going to have to understand what I'm trying to do. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. And it, well, that's exactly right. It doesn't make any damn sense, but I totally get it. Did this extend to your mother as well? Was your mother ever able to question his authority or push back? Or was she also uh, expected to, you know, yes, sir, yes, sir, how high, sir? Um, So with my mom, she was very much, she wasn't like, she was my mom, but she wasn't like, she wasn't on the same level as my dad, if that makes sense. Like, they really like they decided things together but a lot of times it was dad's decision and mom could kind of maybe influence him a little to rethink his decision once he made the decision but he he, she would usually have to go along with it along with us kids so it was kind of like it's all on dad you can't go through mom to get to dad about this like mom is going to have to go through it just like we do. <laughs> okay. Okay. There's a there's a sort of appeal process described in one of Gothard's books and I I just use it for analogy. I'm not I I you know I, I know only parts and bits of this were in your life. But I, I I it's the closest thing I can draw on and there's a there's a there's a sort of appeal process where the father is considered the final authority and arbiter of all things having to do with the family, right? And the mother and the children. The key word that is used in that in that belief set is submit. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? The mother and the, and the kids are to submit to the father's authority in all things. That doesn't mean they can't ask questions or appeal. A pro, you know, there might be a process where the father simply doesn't have all the information. Or, you know, could we ask you to change your mind on this or something like that? Maybe present more information in a, in a, you know, in a, in a humble way. You will present yourself to, you know, to this authority figure, and perhaps he will he will reconsider his position, right? Um, but at the end of the day his word is final that is, that is how it is and you're not in does that does that kind of describe your situation i would say so yeah okay and and the kids all kind of went along with this except your your older sister at, from time to time or how did this look so what's the weird thing is was my dad and my older sister were very close for many years like they thought identically on a lot of things and then when she started getting older she started questioning things that dad started doing to her and us and she was like no that's not right or this is the way i want to think on this dad like that's not what i think about it like that's not how i think anymore and so they kind of started like it kind of came apart at the seams a little bit which is funny because my dad would always call my sister negative when my sister was trying to stand up for herself and he's like oh your sister is so negative about this as he's being negative about something else. And it's like, you guys are identical and you're thinking right now. So like, it's not that weird, but now it like just pulling apart and I'm like. Interesting. It's yeah. So that's how they kind of had a relationship and then it started pulling apart and now they're kind of back together again and thinking a little bit, but then I don't know. Huh? <laughs> it, no, it's, it's interesting. It's, I mean, people are complicated. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> It really can be. Um, I now you mentioned something earlier that was actually quite good, which is that you know it's usually an external influence or exposure to other views or ideas that gets people questioning, you know, the paradigm or the model that they're in. And you know, what is this good or not? Well, they get cookies at their house. I, why don't we get cookies, right? Like, what the hell? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it could be silly things like that, or it could be really big things, you know, like, well, you know, his, her father doesn't demand that, you know, he has to approve of every person you date, you know, or whatever, how, how that's going to go. Right. Um, you guys were all homeschooled. Was your mom doing that work or was your father or both of them? Um, so it was mostly my mom. So like my mom was the one who bought the curriculum and then taught it. So it was pretty much all my mom. Now, my, like, she would kind of, like, talk to my dad about, like, what they what she would teach us kids. But it was mostly on my mom to actually teach it. Okay. And um, so what was the external exposure that your sister got that got her thinking maybe this isn't the dream that, you know, your father envisioned it, it was? So my sister actually was able to convince my parents to let her go to a, a Quaker boarding school that was also a college. Um, and so then she was able to go there for like, I think at least a year. So she was several hours away from us. She was in a totally different area. Like it was still in Iowa, but she was like number of miles away. And so she could kind of make her own decisions on what classes she wanted to take. 
and how she wanted to spend her free time apart from my parents. Right. Actually worked. Got it. So she, in other words, she finally got some independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Makes total sense. But you now um, had us have a story to tell as far as y- how your whole dating, courtship, marriage thing. This seems to be an area of extreme concern for certain fathers in this country or in, in the world at large. The, the handling of uh, the dealing with the, the responsibilities of having a daughter and having her get connected with another man who's yeah. going to become her, you know, protector, overseer, uh, abuser, whatever word you want to throw in there. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, but it's just, man, does this little setup really yeah. kind of invite it. Because from the outside, and 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 I and I really want you to tell the whole thing now, right? In terms of how this whole thing goes, um, it very much appears to me that it's a passing of the property. Mm-hmm. Like, like it feels very much from the outside, like you as you've described it to me, and as well as we're about to get into, you were kind of considered property of your parents, not an independent human being. And there's this thing with, you know, the, these, this purity culture that exists in the evangelical world of fathers owning their daughters as though they're property or cattle. And this goes along with the Michael and Debbie Pearl attitude that you have to break these children because they're animals like your pets or something. And, and to treat human beings this way is, is just so fundamentally wrong. But I think it comes from this concept that your kids are your property and and your daughter is never really allowed to be independent because she goes from the father figure to the husband and there must be a seamless transition between these two things. Hmm. Does that accurately describe what, what's going on here for you? Way too accurate. <laughs> okay. No, All way right. too accurate. So, so tell us the details. What, what happened to you? Okay. So when I was, let's see, I was 23 and I wanted to go to college. Like my sister, I was like, it doesn't have to be the same college, but I want out. I want to expand my horizons. I want to get out there. I want to have something different than what I've been raised with because I don't like it, but I also don't know what I want, but I also need to just get out was the biggest thing and so then my the biggest influence for me to want that because for a long time it felt very normal that I would stay home permanently and just take care of my parents for the rest of my life and then I would just stay there and it would be okay I'll be I would be content I don't know any different I don't know the outside world I'll be fine like I want like for a while I wanted that and so then my grandma actually came into the picture, which is my mom's mom came into the picture um, when I was young. And so then she went to college and she's like, Anna, you should go to college. Like, you don't have to like every single thing about college, but you need different thinking. You just need exposure to the world in a safe way, but like you need to expand your brain and like, 
like find a job you love like you can't just sit home and wait for things to happen you just need to get out there <laughs> um so that was the big thing was i so when she started talking about college and her experience being at a bible college she's like you, you she's like you learn so much when you do that you just need to do that like she kept pushing me and i was like i don't want to though like the world is scary like there's scary people out there and she's like no you need to get out there you need to get out of your comfort zone you need to do this and so she kept pushing and i was like okay i'll just do it because i'll appease my grandma and she'll stop like she'll just stop because once i have a little bit of exposure she'll stop and so um she actually talked to my parents about getting me to college and she's like anna needs this exposure she needs a degree she needs that exposure to the outside world that is a safe way but she needs that education to find a job that she'll really love and so then when she was talking to my parents my dad was just like no no college she doesn't anna doesn't need a degree she's perfectly happy where she is she doesn't need it and my grandma's like no mark she not she does need that experience like she needs it it's good for her i will pay for the first few classes that she will take but you need to help her find a college that would help her get those experiences so like my grandma was very much that advocate of like no <laughs> No, I'm gonna, you, my granddaughter needs to get out in the world and do something for herself. Um, and my dad's like, no, I, I won't even let you pay for the first few classes because Anna's going to fail every single class that you pay for and it's gonna be a waste of money because she's gonna fail every class. Really? He said that? Yeah. And he slammed his hand on the table and he was like, no, you are, I am not going to let Anna do that because that's a waste of money. <laughs> wow. And you're 22 uh, years old, homeschooled by them. Yeah. And he's convinced that the product of that is you're going to fail everything. Is it, was that a reflection on you or on the classes or the world or what was, because that's incredibly demeaning. I mean, What's up with that? Where where was that? I, I definitely think it was a reflection on me because um, I had struggled with homework over the years, but I was like, you don't know I'm going to fail every single class I put my mind to. Like, you don't know me. You're not inside me. Like, you know, you're not inside thinking my thoughts right now. So how do you know really that? How can you say that's true if we we haven't even tried it yet? Right. Wow. Well, what happened? So your grandmother sounds like, yeah, she was quite the advocate. How, um, how, so what ended up happening from there? So somehow I don't, I wasn't there at the time when my dad exploded, but my grandma told me later that she's like, yeah, I'm paying for those classes and you're going. <gasps> so she just kind of bulldozed right over his bulldozer. Yeah. Wow. Good <laughs> for her. That, um, I started looking for different colleges and one that popped up was actually is called unbound slash blue merit, which is an online Christian college that you can pretty much do your degree online. So like you can do bachelors, you can do associates, but a lot of it is online and at your pace, but you are doing the work yourself. So it is 
like you have a due date on every class. You have to get it done yourself. There is no really any coaching in the way of like their parents can't step in. You have to do the work yourself. Got it. And so that's what you ended up doing then was an online program? Yeah, I did. Great. How'd that go? Did you fail every class? (laughs) I did not fail every class, (laughs) ironically. Um, So that's actually how I met my husband was actually through that online program. All right. And how did that, how did that occur? Uh, So that occurred Mm -hmm. because he was also taking that same college program, but for a math degree. So he wanted to get that college experience. He wanted to get out and like find a job he really loved. And so that's how we kind of met because they have like Lumerit has a group. Um, there's different activities that you can do in person. So it's not fully online. So a lot of times you, there is events that they put together have a bunch of their students come together and then they have speakers who will speak on a certain subject and then afterwards then you're meeting all these different college students um all over the states like it's all over and it's in person and that's how i I, i'm sorry that's how you what so that's how i met my husband was actually at one of those student events got it okay got it and how what kind of a, he was obviously attending a Christian online college and, yeah. and, and interacting with, I, I assume everybody there was pretty Christian. Yes. Uh, were they as Christian as you? <laughs> were they as evangelical, hardcore, or Baptist as, as you guys were, or was it a little different? So what's funny is he was the polar opposite in the way of that he is in a family that there is, I think there is six in there is family. And so then his family were the complete opposite. Now they're, they're homeschooled, they're Christian, they go to church and everything, but they are very much, his parents are very much for find the education you need so that you can get a job that you love and you are working towards getting married, having your own family, and then we'll watch. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll take of you we're cheering from a distance we will not interact like we won't interfere unless you ask us to we will not like step over any boundaries if we do let us know we'll talk about it like total u-turn totally different line of thinking right and i'm i'm i can only imagine then that as you and your soon-to-be or future husband here were connecting and meeting, that there must have been some degree of friction or what? <laughs> I, how, how, how did your, you know, how did he react to some of these strictures you were under and how did you deal with, with that? And, and, and actually, let's pull back a second and get into the details of these strictures because because we haven't you, you haven't, you haven't totally described this yet. You, this is a yeah. situation where your father is basically, you can't date unless I say it's okay. And, and you can't date unless I say who it's okay with and et cetera, et cetera. Like how, how describe this for us. Okay. So for my parents, like, so my, actually my parents did agree on dating. Like that was the one thing they did agree on. If that makes any sense, like they were very, actually very much on level playing fields when it came to dating. So my mom 
actually was the one who would step in and be like, here is a dating book we should read and discuss. And then this is what we're going to do. So then that's what she did with my sister when my sister was dating. So then it was actually I Kissed Dating Goodbye by Joshua Harris. Um, and my mom's like, here, this is what, what dating is should be. But you can't really date people. We have to do a courtship, not a dating. Like we can't date. You can't date. You, you have to do a courtship and we have to do it this way. And you have to be okay with it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, just kind of, yeah, here we go. Joshua Harris coaching. Uh, yes. Not dating, not kissing before marriage. Giving your heart away, et cetera, et cetera. This is all very uh, extremely conservative uh, sort of dating principles and ideas. Uh, yeah, basically, you could read that book and then you can kiss dating goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> dating was secular and we don't do that. And I'm like, okay, great. So what was it that you were supposed to do? How, according to, oh, oh, actually, back up one second, because I, I suddenly have a question about your mom. Is this how, is this structure that was created by your parents, is that what they followed when your, when your mom and dad got together? No. No. no of course not. No. Actually, they dated each other, like, in their 20s. And they did. They did not save kissing for marriage. They they did save themselves for marriage, but they didn't save kissing for marriage. Um, they actually had nothing to do with the whole I kiss dating goodbye at all. Like I don't know. If, I don't know if it was even written during when they were dating, but they didn't. They didn't do it that way at all. It was they dated, they met, they fell in love, and they had kids. <laughs> That's how they they did it. Wow. Um, well, now this is really interesting. There's a statement here on this book by Joshua Harris on his website. Mm. Have you seen this? I think so. It's, is it talking about how he kind of denounces it now? Because yeah. he, he literally has continued the publication of his own book on this concept, on, on this whole thing. He said that uh, for many years, people have asked me whether I still agree with my book. In addition, I, some readers have told me the book harmed them. Uh, and he said, when attending grad school, I began a process of reevaluating the book. Um, this included inviting people to share their stories with me, personal phone calls, in-depth study of issues surrounding my book by one of my grad school professors, and finally creating a documentary film. Um, that captured the conversations, and he reevaluated it and said, I no longer agree with the central idea that dating should be avoided. I now think dating can be a healthy part of a person developing relationally and learning the qualities that matter most in a partner. Isn't that interesting and, and unfortunately rare? <laughs> couple years too late. Sorry, Harris, but a little couple of you two years late. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's why Sorry, we're talking Harris, today. Uh, a little too late. Yeah, I just, I had not seen that until now, so I thought I'd throw that out there. But indeed, a couple years too late. So what, so, so your parents didn't do this, but they agree that for their kids, this is how it's going to be. 
and this is so strict that you that if, do I have it right that you did no kissing before and and really the whole concept of dating going out getting to know one another finding each other's foibles and pros and cons and goods and bads and deciding whether you want to be with this person or not for any length of time all that just gets thrown in the in the trash heap that's correct <laughs> and what gets put in its place what, what what was it supposed to look like it was supposed to be that you had a courtship that of with a man that my parents chose and you saved your first kiss for your wedding day and you couldn't really hug much um and your sister and your siblings had to be chaperones <laughs> oh wow okay. and we had to tattle on my sister if she did anything that she wasn't supposed to do to my my parents <laughs> got it so your your siblings would rat you out if you had uh broken any of the rules or anything mm -hmm. right so i think if we've been paying attention so far everybody we have seen many examples already of isolation manipulation and control and those are your three factors of coercive control right which is which is what we have been describing this whole upbringing culture of that you that you were raised in was a very coercively controlling environment you're isolated you were alone until you were 23 uh you know in terms of being in your home being isolated from the world uh you know given this insanely uh authoritarian belief set and and even once it's once the once the policing lets down enough to let you out with some other guy no 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 can't 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 be alone <laughs> so actually this is interesting because it actually will prevent see there there are overt actions controls being put in place to prevent somebody else from isolating you and manipulating you <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh my goodness what a mess so okay so how did you survive this what happened how did you end up uh getting through this whole process um so then i started talking to my husband jordan and so through the online program and so then he was like so i'm going to california to the, do this um was it political thing we can still chat but i will be busy for the most part so there you go and i'm like Great, you're my window to the outside world, and you're going to California. <laughs> um, not, not good news. Not good news, but at the same time, it was good news because then he was a little bit in the way of like a very, I, I don't want to say isolated, but fully, but he was able to have like harder conversations with me about like what I believed and what I, my parents made me believe while he was in california so when he was done working that day we would actually get on google hangouts and even if it was just like i could just hear him like we would go through like how i was raised how he was raised and it's like where do we kind of come in and where do we think is right and what where do we think we would like to toss out and that kind of thing 
Okay, so so the isolation, so it was working. He was he was changing you, yeah. uh, and and how did that how did that feel? How did that look? What what were your was that a gradual thing or were you like oh I can't wait to get out of here or what what how were you approaching this? Oh, uh, it was I would say it was very terrifying because I was still living at home at that point. Um, and so then I'm kind of in my own room because my sister had already moved out and gotten married to her husband at that point. So I had my own room, but we like our house had very thin walls. So I'm like, I don't want to say too many things that my parents can hear. Now he could say whatever he wanted to, because he was in California, his parents couldn't hear him. And so he could be a lot more honest about things while I was kind of still sugarcoating and kind of covering up the worst things okay going on right and what kind of worst things are you talking about there just so i'm i'm clear on what what you're what you're thinking about there oh boy so much um it was mostly the emotional abuse with my dad that mm. he was like since my sister moved out he got a lot worse with his words and for me, I'm like, that is a choice. Like every time he would say something very hurtful, I'm like, that is a choice he's making. Like that was, my brain was starting to click in the way of like, wait a second, that's not right. Like I didn't think of it as abuse yet because I'm like, that doesn't make sense if it was abuse because it's not physical. He's not physically doing this to me. Like, yes, he's saying it, but it's verbal. So it doesn't make sense it's abuse yet like it wasn't quite clicking yet yep, yep. with that in my head um now anytime i would talk to jordan and i would bring something up that my parents did that i didn't agree with but i couldn't feel like i could say that i didn't agree with it he would always be like well how does that make you feel when your parents do this which then put me on the hat seat because i'm like it made me feel terrible, but also I think my parents might hear what I'm saying and I don't want to say it's terrible, but I will kind of secretly code it by saying that it was terrible without saying it's terrible so that he understands what I'm saying wow. at the same time. Well, I, I believe me, uh, being in a surveillance culture of the Sea Org and Scientology and, and having to watch all your words and phrasing, I definitely understand exactly what you're talking about because, you you know, you have overseers <laughs> or, or at least you fear you do. I mean, I don't know. Were your parents, was there any evidence they were actually were listening in? Did they ever catch you out? Um, They didn't, but there is always that fear that he, they probably were. Yeah. So it was that threat and fear that they might be. Now, luckily, if they were like all my siblings and my parents were out of the house, like I could be more honest with Jordan on things, but I had to wait until they left because I'm like, I can be more honest now because they're gone, but it's still like, I'm still trying to figure out the words to make it not sound sugarcoated, but also like trying to figure out like the phrasing too at the same time right yeah exactly well that must have been an interesting experience and and difficult to 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 be in a, a situation of that because it's it's fear-based it's a it's a it's a difficult it's ang it's it, it's you know it must have induced some anxiety oh yeah i have an anxiety disorder because of it 
Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I, 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 wow. Well, all right. There we go. Uh, not a not a particularly a surprise to me, but I didn't want to assume that. Yeah. All right. So now. So we're kind of in the middle of this with your with you and your future husband here, as far as like he's kind of waking you up or or introducing new ideas and concepts to you, or the the idea it's okay to disagree, and you're like, mm, yeah, maybe I could. Um, how long did that How long did that process go on, and uh, how did your parents find out about this guy, and what was their reaction to? Wait a minute, this sounds like a courtship. Hold on here, we didn't approve this. <laughs> What is this? How? What was their take on this? So my parents did not like my husband really at all the first time they like. So my husband tried to like meet me in person, like by myself before he asked me to be his girlfriend. So like he tried to get to know my family in person as well on text. Like he tried to be like, hi, I'm a real person and I am dating your daughter, but I'm still here. I'm like, I'm a good person. Like, don't hurt me, please. Like that kind of thing. Um, and so then my siblings really liked him. Like he was very, he's a very engaging person. He's a very, like, he is focused on you. He will give you attention. He will ask you good questions. Like my par my parents saw that and they didn't really like it that much, but my siblings did. Mm. My brother, um, my dad was mad because he, my Jordan did not go to dad and be like, Hey, I want to court your daughter. My Jordan came along and he actually asked me in person to be his girlfriend, um, which was a no, no, you can't say girlfriend, but my hu husband went straight to me and he didn't go through my dad. Right. And that is when things got really rocky because my dad did not appreciate that Jordan did that to him. Right. Yeah. Did that to him. Yeah. To him. He did that to him. Exactly. That, that is, that is. That's perfect, the key word. Perfect phrasing. <laughs> These guys, man, I tell you. Okay. So, uh, well then what was his response? I mean, what happened? How did this, I, I'm assuming this kind of had some blow up. Oh, it did. Um, my dad then decided he did not want anything to do with Jordan. Like he didn't want to talk to him. He didn't want anything to do with him but he also wanted to be a part of our relationship at the same time wow okay i can only imagine that must have been fun and oh, yeah. so how long did this go on for before things started turning girlfriend to ooh serious um so we did we had jordan and i had a lot of conversations about kind of if we got more serious like how would we raise our kids and how like how we were raised how we don't want to do this or we do want to do this with our new children so we did a lot of talking about this is what we kind of expect if we get more serious and we go towards marriage this is kind of like this is all on the table take it or leave it but this is how we were raised this is not what we agree with this is what we agree with this is what we disagree with there you go. Okay. So full honesty. There was nothing held back. It was just like, here you go. Like, yeah, ask me different. more things, but this is what I was raised with. This is what you were raised with. What would happen if we were together and we were raising our own children? This is what we would want. We're mm -hmm. not wanting. And what were the parts that uh, 
I mean, was your view of things at that point more or less in alignment with what your parents would want at that point? Very strongly against what they would want. Okay, so you were now fully, okay, I I really am mentally rejecting this stuff. Yeah. you yet, you know, there's a thing in the, in that they, they, uh, they use this mostly in the XJW, the Jehovah's Witnesses world, but it's a great uh, uh, concept. Is this physically in, mentally out? Mm-hmm. You know, there's physically in, mentally in, PME, and then there's physically yeah. in, mentally out, PMO, <laughs> you know, these various variations on that, where you're at in your headspace, right? As opposed to where you're, where you are. Um, so were you it sounded like you were kind of getting pretty mentally out of this headspace by that point i would say so yeah cool 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 was there were there other factors besides long conversations with your soon-to-be husband <laughs> that caused <laughs> um so he tried to visit me as much as he could so like he was in wisconsin and that's where i am right now um and then there was a four-hour drive so he would drive from wisconsin all the way to iowa um, and then once he started getting to know my family better, then he was able to actually take me back to Wisconsin. And so then that was how I met his side of the family. And then I met his mom, his dad, and then his, all of his siblings. Okay. Did your parents ever try overtly or covertly to, to break you guys up or stop it from happening? Did they ever try to exert any authority or control over you to get you to knock it off oh yeah okay multiple times and and what what happened there how did that look and how did you um deal with that so one of the big things was so um my parents did get to know jordan's side of the family and so then they sort of did get along with each other and then my siblings got to know his siblings. So like they all knew of each other and they had also met in person. So like, it wasn't like, okay, we're getting serious and now you're going to get dumped on. And now you're going to get all, like all of the introductions are going to be dumped on and like figured out right as we're getting serious. We wanted to kind of like, okay, we want this as a family thing, but you can't be all in the relationship with us, but you guys can all have your own separate relationships with each other but we don't want everybody like both sets of parents in our relationship we're adults we can figure it out and so then um so that it would be three years ago jordan finally saved up enough money he got himself an engagement ring without me knowing and so then he was actually on the way to iowa to talk to my parents about proposing and so then he got the day off of work he talked to them beforehand and he's like where would be a good place to meet um to talk about like proposing this year like let's go away from the house so that Anna doesn't know what's going on um let's let's do this in person because I don't want to do this on over text I want to do it in person I want to do it right I want to do all of that right and so then he was kind of putting that on the table and so then on the way to Iowa, my parents call him in the middle of him driving. And they're like, so we're canceling our meetup. You're going to have to tell us your plans and our, your intentions with our daughter over the phone. We're not doing the meetup. 
we had we have something else that happened and we can't do it on we can't do it in person would it be okay but also not okay because it's on the phone so you have no other choice but let's do the conversation now as you're driving was that just to mess with him i think it was honestly looking back now i think it was wow yeah. um and so then he stops the car because he's driving. He doesn't want to get into an accident. He doesn't want to get hurt. So he pulls off to the side and he's like, fine, I will do the conversation now. <laughs> but he didn't want to, but he was like, "There, I don't know how else I'm going to do this. I guess I have to comply to what they want me to do. And so then they're having a conversation and then my mom's like, okay, here's Mark, who is my dad. And he's like, great. (laughs) I didn't really want to have a conversation over the phone, but I'll do that. I will do this for Anna because I love her. I'll do this. And so then my dad gets on the phone with Jordan and my dad's like, you can't marry my daughter this year. You can't marry Anna because you don't have an apartment. You don't have insurance and you don't have a full-time job. So you can't propose this year. This entire year. (laughs) At this time, he, my husband was still living at home. Um, He was working towards getting insurance and he had a part-time job that is more like a full-time right now. And it's at the same job, but he didn't have all of his ducks in a row, but he was working very hard to get them in a row. Right. So like they were kind of like, moving them along to the right line but like he didn't have it fully there but like he was getting it together right um and so then my dad's like yes you can't we can't do it you can't do it this year try again next year god the hubris huh it's really something (laughs) you do not only do you not marry my daughter you may not even ask her no you can't ask you can't even think about asking my daughter until you have those three things. Right. Did he have to go get those three things or did he say, screw it and do it anyway? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, Anna can make her own decisions. She's an adult. I will still work on those three things, but let me have this opportunity. <laughs> okay. And how'd that go? It didn't go well because my dad doesn't like to be challenged. And Fern was like, I'm going to challenge you. It's like, let's let's do a red scarf in front of a bull. Because it was like, hey, no, you're not going to do this. You did this to my your daughter, but you're not going to do this to me because I don't see that. I'm not going to just comply to you. Right. Good. And Good for then, him. My dad responds with, well, if you keep coming to Iowa, then I will have to call the cops on you for trespassing on my property. Wow. Wow. Straight up went right to the cop threat. Wow. And Jordan had gone to my parents' house numerous times before. It wasn't his first time. Jordan always came through the front door. Jordan didn't ever just sneak on the property and take me away. Like he always talked to my parents before he, I ever did like we ever left the house. Like he always said hi to my parents. He stayed for a while. He would like, he, it wasn't his first time on my like parents' property at this point. 
Right. But it was still that threat of like, you just challenged my authority and now you're going to get the consequences if you choose to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I can, I've got the power here. I can stop you. Yeah. Yeah, it really is about power, isn't it? Oh, it's always been about power. It is. It is. It's always been. Yeah, that's basically where it comes down to. And so then, yeah. And then after that, Jordan's like, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, he wasn't happy about it, but he was like, he didn't want to put me in danger. He didn't want, he didn't know what would happen if he continued. And he was like, I don't know if he would have gotten arrested. I don't know. But I didn't want him to risk it either. Of course. Of course. And so then after he's talking to my parents, he calls his mom and he's like, Mom, this is what happened with Anna's parents. What should I do? <laughs> Which really shows his relationship with his mom because he was like, I'm scared that he's going to do this. What do I do? Right. Um. And then he, after he was done talking with his mom, then he called his sisters who kind of gave him the same thing of like, don't go to Iowa if they're going to do that to you. Because we don't know either that like it could happen. It could not happen. But we are scared for you and we want you safe. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh -huh. If somebody's threatening to call the cops on you, then obviously, you know, you need to evaluate your your relative priorities there. <laughs> and then after he called, pretty much it felt like all his family, then he calls me and he's like, so this is what your parents did to me just a few minutes ago. And I'm like, excuse oh. me? Oh. Excuse me? <laughs> like, it wasn't like I didn't believe him. And I was like, wait a second. Cops? Dad, I'm going to do something about this because this is not fair. And so then... I think it felt like my parents were listening in on the conversation because when I came out of my room, I'm like, what just happened with Jordan? And so they're like, Jordan was so disrespectful. He was really disrespectful to your dad. He didn't take no for an answer. And I'm like, what now? And of course, they, they were very oddly nervous about telling me that dad threatened Jordan, but they were kind of like, this is normal. He directly disobeyed us and this is his consequence. And you need to make Jordan see that. And I'm like, how am I going to be able to make my husband, like not my, not my husband, but Jordan see that that's what you want him to do. <laughs> like, how am I going to be able to do that? You just threatened him. And now you are like, well, you need to make him sure he knows that your dad's serious about this. Wow. So they kind of expected you to just sort of roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. And did you? Unfortunately, yes, because I did not want Jordan in trouble and I didn't want him to be his safety to be jeopardized. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. I will make Jordan promise that when he comes and picks me up to take me to Wisconsin, I will make him promise me to promise you guys that he will not propose during that two-week trip. Happy now, parents? Like, I, of course, I couldn't be that sassy. But I mean, it was like, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, it's your job now, Anna, to convince Jordan to not propose during your trip. 
Okay. And I must, I, I guess if they knew you were going off for two weeks with this guy, that, that it was assumed on their part that all the rules were being followed and you guys weren't kissing or being physical or anything like that. That was what they thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. No, it was not the truth. And I'm not really ashamed to say it, but it was, yeah, they expected that they wanted us to always be at the parents' house where they could see us at all times. There could not be cuddling, kissing, whatever. Like, no, you cannot do that in the house. You have to be in where we can see you at all times and we can hear you. That's what you're supposed to be. Now, did we do that? We did not. For a lot of it, we didn't because we wanted our privacy. But my parents were like, no, you can't really have privacy. <laughs> we're going to walk into the room whenever we want to. And you're going to get in trouble if you are hugging or cuddling under a blanket and we can't see your hands. Right. Control. My control, sister, control. he did that. But my Mike, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Oddly, your sister who bucked to your father for a while complied with all of this. She 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 went along with all of this with her husband mm -hmm. and apparently is is quite happy right now. And that's surprisingly <laughs> so for for some reasons. But, you know, we have to point that out because it's like, well, you know, that that kind of happened. It was odd. But mm -hmm. this this control, control, control stuff is just obsessive. I mean, it's it's insane levels of control here to to be telling your adult daughter what she can and can't do outside the property and basically ruling this whole, your entire life is, is the effort here. How, so you did this two week trip. <laughs> you just kind of kept doing your thing and you did mm -hmm. end up kind of getting out of this thing. Um, what happened? Jordan was very upset during the whole trip that I was there because he very much wanted to propose. And then when they rejected his wanting to propose, he was very miserable. Now he put a brave face on for me. He was, he still took me places while I was here. He, he did all of the things that he wanted to do besides propose, but he was very upset the whole trip. And for me, I'm like, I'm not going to deny you of that. I'm not going to deny you feeling like crap because they just destroyed what you wanted. And so what made it even worse was at one point, one of his sisters, Jordan's sisters actually took us to the place where he was going to propose that time. And I'm like, ouch, thanks. <laughs> like it was a beautiful spot. And I'm like, all the beautiful fall colors. I'm like, and he could have proposed here. Great. Yeah, a little bittersweet. It was very bittersweet. Yeah, that sucks. That sucks. But you did get past that. How'd you do that? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I will ever be fully past that. But we kind of just kept talking when we could. And we kept dating each other. And um, so then after that year that he was denied of proposing, then that next year when I came back for my two-week visit, he woke me up at five in the morning because I was staying at his parents' house and he was like, let's go to this hill and watch the sunrise. And I'm like, it is five in the morning. It's too early. I don't know what you're talking about. How are you still awake at this? 
And so then he takes me to this hill and it's a beautiful spot. You can see all of Madison is a gorgeous spot. And I fell asleep halfway through, but I was like, okay, it was a beautiful spot. I can see why you like it, but can we go back to bed? Can I go back to bed? Now I am tired and this is five in the morning. And so then he brought blankets and then he's like spreading it all out. He like he plays a song we both like. And then at the very end, he goes down on one knee and he's like, so Anna, will you marry me? I'm like, what? Aww. And that's how he proposes is how he did it on his terms. And I said, yes, because obviously I said, yes. And then one of the last, the other thing I said to him after I said, yes, I'm like, so did you ask my dad if it was okay that you proposed? <laughs> and Jordan's like, nope, and I'm not going to. And I'm like, okay. And that was that. Yep. Yep. I, I would put any amount of money on the fact that your father would have said no way. Yeah. If he did again. I, and then my dad continued to make our engagement crazy. So I don't know. Yeah. He, he wanted to show that he was the authority. He had the control the entire time we were engaged too, because he was very angry that Jordan didn't ask him. And I'm like, you didn't make it easy on him either. Like, what do you expect? And then my mom's like, Jordan should have asked your dad. He is so upset. And you have no idea how much this made him so upset. And I'm like, we're not going to talk about how I'm engaged right now. Right. We're going to talk about dad. Great. I am so glad that dad is so upset. I mean, I'm not glad he's upset, but really we're going to talk about how upset that we did this to him. We're doing this to him again. He didn't get involved enough in my relationship. So now he wants that again. Okay. Exactly. I think you've actually gotten right there to the exact heart of the whole problem that we've been sort of dancing around this whole time. Mm -hmm. And that is that everything about your father's life has to have to do with your father. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and that in a nutshell is narcissism. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's always about them. Their mm -hmm. needs, their desires, their fears, their hopes, their authoritarian ideas, <laughs> their, their rules, etc. And this is this is what it looks like. It's not, you know, it's not always um well, it's never fun. It's just a matter of how unfun is it in, in every aspect of this. But um, but he couldn't really he you know he couldn't really stop it. You had gotten enough external influence and enough external thought, free independent thinking that you were able to bust out of that. Yeah, and that's really good. Mm -hmm. It just took a very long time and pretty much the entire engagement and then leading up to our wedding. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he's no longer part of your life at this point. Is that right? Yeah. He, he very much wanted to be a part of my wedding, which we, Jordan and I had a conversation with my parents and then Jordan's parents. I'm like, if my dad is a part of my wedding, he cannot be the center of attention. He can't like, no, I, I can't do that. That's, it's my wedding. Not going to happen. 
Right. Um, and the only way that we could really make sure he didn't get the center of attention was that we included our pastor, who actually also married us, on a Zoom call with my parents and Jordan's parents and us. And I'm like, this is what I want from my wedding, our wedding. And yeah, it was one of the most stressful conversations I've ever had with my dad because he was like, oh yeah, I will, I'll do that. I won't, I won't misbehave. I won't do this. I won't do that. And I'm like, right. Yeah. <laughs> We're just saying that because my pastor is right there. Like the pastor who's marrying us is right there holding you accountable for the first time in your life, probably. And now you're saying that because the pastor is there. And it, Jordan's parents are there and you want to make it, you look good, but that's the only reason why you're saying yes to all of that. Right. Exactly. Trying to make good, <laughs> trying to, trying to be sociable, social front. Right. Now, but, but you seem to believe or uh, imply there that you knew it was all just, just BS. He was just lying. He was going to, he fully intended to break all those rules or, or do whatever he wanted to do. Is that my guess so he behaved as best he could but he was a part of my wedding that day he did a pretty good job of not making it all about him now he did not come to my rehearsal dinner for my wedding um neither him or my mom did because it, it was unfortunately it's with covid and all of that craziness but my parent my mom was like well we can't come to the rehearsal dinner because of COVID and we don't know, we don't want to give it to anybody. So we're, we're going to come to the wedding, but not the rehearsal dinner because we can't find an affordable apartment, uh, a hotel for the rehearsal dinner. So we'll just come on the wedding. Interesting. And so it was all the communication was really through my mom and she was like, well, so for the rehearsal dinner, like, what do you want? me and your father to do at the wedding and i'm like great <laughs> i'm thinking about this the day before my rehearsal dinner and now you're making me think about this right yeah of course. Um, and so then i didn't really initially want my dad to walk me down the aisle because i'm like if you hurt my husband on the day of my wedding i am not going to talk to you i'm not going to be very happy but i don't know fully if you're gonna do that but I don't know. Mm. I don't. And I'm, I, so my mom wanted to know what my dad would do. So that would be walking down the aisle. And then my mom would just light a candle for our unity candle. And I'm like, here's some YouTube videos of what you guys are supposed to do, because I can't videotape what you're supposed to do at my rehearsal dinner while I'm figuring everything else out. Right. I'm not you on Zoom. That is why we have a rehearsal dinner before the wedding. I'm not doing that. And my mother-in-law, Jordan's mom, was like, we're not doing that. We're not going to videotape it for them. They made that choice of not coming. They should be held for that, held accountable for that. So they are not going to get special treatment for that. And I'm like, good, because I'm not going to do it either. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's always a special exception. There's always some necessary thing that everybody has to be bothered by to deal with the needs and wants of this personality type. And we can call it a narcissist or, you know, whatever else we want, whatever words we want to use. Basically, they're a pain in the ass. You know? yep, yep. 
And they and they, and you know you you know you get that vibe. I I don't know how else to describe it, and I know it's kind of this like you know sort of intangible thing, but you know when somebody's doing something to screw with you, yep. Versus when they're doing something because there's a legit problem, right? And there's some degree of credibility or legitimacy to it, and and the ongoing pattern of behavior with this type of personality is that is that it is all about them and if it can't be about them then it still has to be about them in some fashion by making everybody else thinking about them mm-hmm. and they should be off you know doing something else and it was epitomized exactly when you said hey you know i just got engaged but it's all mm-hmm. about your father's rage right and so yep. it's like you know this this incredibly good life event is completely you know tainted by this attitude you know yep. the attitude that he's always had but we're going to now spotlight because his second daughter did not include him in things and now he's going to have a fit about it and i'm like great what do you want me to do about it crawl on my hands and knees back to dad and like oh i'm so sorry dearest father but i am sorry i did not include you in my courtship slash state dating relationship but you did not really need to be in there there is two people in this relationship and you're not one of them. I'm not marrying you. I am marrying Jordan, not you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's really what it takes to break away from that kind of thing. You know, I wanted to highlight this story because you did successfully break away. And that was the part that I went, okay, there's a there's a there's a happy ending here, which is which is which you could look at and go, yeah, I don't really know if it's so so good because you're not connected with your father. But let's be blunt. Your father's not a positive influence in your life at this point. You know, I mean, I don't want it to be that way. I don't think anybody wants it to be that way. But it's simply you got to call a spade a spade. And there's and there's certain points where you have to cut ties because by maintaining ties, you maintain a line where this person will continue to try to use that to influence and and control. And it's just, it becomes inappropriate. It just becomes just so not wanted by anybody involved, you know? So. Well, and the thing, the big thing, cutting ties with my dad, like, was the hardest thing. But for me, I'm like, I'm not having him around my husband. He's not going to be around me. I don't want that anymore. I don't. Now, unfortunately, my mom and I talked on occasion but she's always like, well, you should speak to your father. You should talk to your dad about the things that make you upset. You should do this. You should do that with your dad. And I'm like, no, I don't really want to anymore. Like I dealt with that for however many years you can deal with it because I don't want to deal with you, dad anymore. And that's the kind of bittersweet ending in the way, because I'm like, there is nothing that I could say that will make him understand that what he did to me and now my like my husband for however long hurt like it's there i like even if it was a produced wounded heart i'm like there's nothing i can do or say that he will see that he was wrong and i was right in this situation that he's going to see that so i don't it's not going to happen i don't see it happening maybe it will happen in the future but i'm like i don't want to just sit around waiting for that thunderbolt road to damascus moment for him to do it because i'm like it's not worth it it's not worth my time or energy right now i'm a wife 
I am happy. There's nothing I can really do anymore. I've tried everything. So why, what's really the point of me exhausting myself and trying that? I tried it. It didn't work. So there has to be something else that would have to work. And I'm not doing all that work again. No. And there's and there really isn't any reason for you to at this time. The thing about there's a couple of things I'd like to sort of throw out there um, in in response to that. One is that um, you are free at any point in the rest of your life to change your mind about your relationships, and mm-hmm. and your and and your father's view about relationships is very rigid. It's a very solid, stayed. This mm-hmm. is how it is. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, it's it's a very uh, rigid channel, yeah. In which behavior can occur, and if 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 it's outside this box or outside this groove, it's wrong. Yeah. Period. End of story. Right. And and the thing, and and that's and that's that's kind of at the heart of of the whole obsessive need to control is it's got to mm. be this way. You now, me, you know, the, the your average Joe. We don't live like that. You, no. know, you have the ability and the freedom to change your mind and, and have the relationships and have them on the terms you want them on. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's what you are imbued with, with free will and human rights and all of that. That's what, that's what this is supposed to be all about. Mm-hmm. And why, we, why, we, why this control stuff is so bad or can go so wrong is there are times in our lives, there are circumstances in our lives where we need rigid controls when we're babies, when we're young children, under certain circumstances as adults, you need to have some rigid control because things are a little wild, right? When you move into a new environment or when things are all fresh and new and you're in a new job or something, like it's not anything goes. You got to figure some things out, but you have the freedom to do that. It's on you to do that. And your father's view of the world is very much not that it's it's that it's it's up to him to decide everything and everybody else just has to it's their job to comply yeah that that's 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 the heart of it right there that's that's the wrongness you know is 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 it's not everybody else's job in that man's world to comply with his will (laughs) as much that would make him so ticked off if he ever heard that yeah i'll bet i'll bet it's not my responsibility anymore like that was like kind of as kids, I'm like, that was our responsibility was to make sure dad wasn't mad. And I'm like, I don't want that job anymore. I revoke that. And my husband is nothing like my dad in that way that I'm like, I don't have to tiptoe around it or do this certain way because then that would make him happy. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't marry my dad because I'm like, I don't think I could handle it, first of all. But like, I'm like, no. I am not dealing with that as a husband. That was my mom's choice. She married that man and she made those decisions. But I'm like, that's not my husband. And I don't mind it being not my my husband because no matter what the pearls made it sound like, oh, this is a good thing. I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) To have a little tomcat who is picky and aloof. I don't like that. I like coming home to my husband who's happy to see me and I'm happy to see him. There is no, I am good. I'm good. She can have him, but I don't want him anymore. Exactly. Well, good for you. And that's that, you know, all I can say is congratulations. Well done. And I really think that you 
made the uh, healthier choice there. And I and I and and it's and it kind of sucks because you want things to all work out. You want everybody to all get along. You want happy endings like in Disney movies. But you know that's that and, and that and here's the thing: that ending may yet still come to pass. But it's not on you to change your father. It's not your responsibility. I don't think I have the power either, honestly. I'm like, that's if right. He, if he, ha, if he, ha, I don't have the power to change my dad. I've never had the power to change my dad's mind when I was a kid. So I'm like, now to make him change his mind on something else, I'm like, no thanks. No. Nope. <laughs> That's right, and that and and that is perfectly okay. Is all I'm trying to say. I I agree completely, and I applaud your your attitude about that. Because sometimes you just got to make that decision, you know. But the thing about what what the the reason I wanted to sort of um, stress this a little bit is because people could go, oh well, that's just the same as shunning. You're just doing the same thing, <laughs> and it's not. It's not even remotely the same because, like I, I stressed before. You have the power to change your mind anytime you want. It's not, oh, that's dad. I'm never going to hear him again. I'm never going to. You can change your mind whenever you want. You don't have some dogmatic system or delusional idea that God wants you to. You're making up your own mind, you know, yeah. and that's that's where I think the healthy part comes in for yourself, you know, in your emotional life. So, Well, I mean, my mom has told me that because how... I've decided to not talk to my dad anymore, that it was very much like one of his brothers. And I'm like, I'm not my dad's brother. Like he chose to not talk to my dad anymore and that's his choice. But I'm like, that's different. And also there's a lot, we don't know of what happened with my dad that he would want make his brother want that. I'm like, I've lived with him as a dad. So I don't know as a brother what he's like or as anything else, but I'm like, that's, that's a hard choice, but I'm like, that's not completely fair to say that, how could they choose that? And I'm like, because it's their life. It's their choice. Exactly. Yeah. Hurt them in such a way that they don't want to talk to him. And I'm like, I don't blame them. <laughs> I lived with them, so I don't blame them if they don't want to talk to him anymore. It's, it's he wants to talk to his family and make right what he did wrong like that's not on us anymore like he huh. has some of it and i don't see him wanting it but i'm like if he wants it down the line and he figures his crap out i'm like he has my phone number he has my email address if he really wanted it maybe it will be different a couple of years and he sees it but i'm like I'm not going to poke it with a stick until it comes to pass. I'm not going to do it. Exactly. And sometimes I, I think, I, I, again, you, you, you're saying these wonderful things because it's because you, you're exactly on the right line. Uh, only because I, 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 I want to reinforce what you're saying because it's right. You, you, you know, continuing to reach out to him, continuing to try to curry favor, trying to reconcile, trying to, you know, that's what he wants. Yeah, he, <laughs> he wants he you spinning around his finger, you know. Yeah. So I think you're, I think you're, you're doing this exactly right. And if he picks up the phone and 
decides to call someday or whatever, it's, you know, it's totally your choice as to how you want to deal with that. You yeah. don't have to feel obligated to do anything about it. Thank goodness. Right? Isn't that freedom? I mean, it's, it's, it's not <laughs> dissimilar to me breaking away from Scientology. I mean, it's really, there's a lot, you know, in terms of how it makes you feel, <laughs> it feels great. You know? right. <laughs> Anyway, Anna, thank you, thank you for for reaching out to me and for you know telling me about all of this and taking the time to to make this work to do a show with me here. I, I I think your story has lessons for people. I, you know these extreme cult situations and joining a, a you know one of these crazy cults like Scientology or something. I'm always trying to pull the life lessons out of them for people, and I think I think people get it, you know, on my channel and stuff, and appreciate what I'm trying to do. But stories like yours are even better in so many ways because it is more of the average life experience that people run into when they have these personality types in their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, these these self-centered, egotistical, like it's my way or the highway kind of people, whether it's a boss or a father or a grandfather or an uncle or an aunt or a, a sibling or a, a school friend or whatever we run into these people all the time and and it's it, it's for because of their ability to manipulate and control it is hard to break away from them mm -hmm. you know so so i so i want to say again you know congrats and, and good job on on doing what you're doing mm -hmm. Well, it's mostly my husband in the way of that he was just like, no, I don't want this for you anymore. Like, I don't want to deal with that anymore. And I'm like, you know what? You don't have to. I don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. I'm not going to force it. So we're not like, that's what I guess is the beauty. And I'm glad that God created marriage in that way that is like, okay, we are going to stand together on this. It's not just me wanting in this. Like he wants it too. So it's like, we're coming together on this. Like it could change. And like, we're okay with it being changed, but like, at least it's like, we're not being pulled in opposite directions because if we were, I think we would have fallen apart long, long time ago, right. but to have that this togetherness, I'm like, ah, thank goodness. <laughs> because I'm like, by myself, I'm like, I would have gone back multiple times over, but like to know, like, that's not right. That wasn't right. We're not doing that with our kids. We're not going to do this. Like. It, it's such a relief. Big time. So Big long. Time. Well, I'm glad you found that. And that, and again, that speaks to, you know, the necessity of having a support system. Oh, absolutely. Well, and the nice thing is, is family, like Jordan's family is very much for supporting us and for backing us. So it's like, at least they understand. And they've also seen tiny glimpses of what my parents are like. And they're kind of like, we don't want that for you guys. We are standing with you guys. So it's not just two of us, but it's like that kind of, not exactly an army, but it's just like, we have that strong, like big supportive wings, I guess. Just like, no, you guys don't have to do this by yourself anymore. Like you guys did that for a long time, but now we're here to kind of help you guys, help yourself to kind of figure out what you want. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. We, not me. <laughs> right? Exactly. That's right. All right, Anna. Well, again, thank you very much for taking the time to share your story with us today. I really, really appreciate it. And I know it's very brave of you. I want to acknowledge that for, for being so open and honest with the world 
about your story. You know, it's a, it's a big step to do this. And so, so thank you for doing it and uh, for taking this time. Yeah. Well, it was very nice to finally be on the show. <laughs> it took a while and it took a lot of late nights with my husband, a lot of nights that I was like, why did this all happen? I don't understand. Like I, I can't, I can't make sense of this. So like, just kind of like finally just coming into a place of like clarity and just being like, you know what? All of that happened really sucked. And I'm glad that I found someone who kind of understands, but also like, he's very good at like with his language of like, how about, does this word sound right? I'm like, yes, that sounds exactly right. Like, it's like, we're speaking our own language, but we're like, it's so nice to be able to just be out of that craziness and not having to look back and not being in it anymore is just been like ah, about time about time but I'm glad it came when it did some days I'm like I wish it came a lot sooner but I'm glad it's finally here and I don't have to be anxious if there's somebody listening at the door or if there's somebody who is going to tattle on me if I show my husband too much affection or whatever it may be, but I'm like, it's finally that sanctuary and that safety. And I'm like, finally, I don't have to be worried about any of that abuse anymore and all of that craziness. I don't have to walk on eggshells around my dad anymore. I don't have to worry about those things anymore. And it kind of has that safety net, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very nice, very nice. Yeah. All right, well, Let's go ahead and wrap up then. Folks right. out there, um, I want to thank all of you guys for watching the show, tuning in here. I hope that this was educational, informative, and possibly mildly entertaining. And mm -hmm. uh, if you are a fan of the show, of course, I would love if you would subscribe. And having removed myself off all social media, I'm relying on you guys out there to help me grow my channel by sharing this content out there and letting people know that this channel exists and that we are covering coercive control in all its aspects and that there will be a lot more content like this out there uh, in the future as this rolls forward. So if you, uh, so if this channel is, is something you like, then uh, please go ahead and subscribe and support the channel through Patreon or PayPal. Always love and appreciate that love. All right, guys, see you next week. Bye-bye.